I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. I'm so glad you're with us to revisit some of the many wonderful poets we featured during 2019. It was a good year for Poetry Spoken Here. This year, we became the official audio home of the Unamuno Author Series and Unamuno Author Festival in Madrid, Spain. In June, producer technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley went to the festival, and he recorded many of the readings which we have been posting and will continue to post along with our other interview reading episodes. We are still listed among the best poetry podcasts by Player FM and listed as one of Feedspot's top 30 poetry podcasts you should subscribe to and listen to for 2020. Over 1,500 people now follow our page on Facebook and episodes have been downloaded tens of thousands of times in over 50 countries all around the world. This year, we posted our 100th episode. All are still available. And we're going to start our review with Jericho Brown from the 100th episode. He is a well-known poet who's received a MacArthur Genius Award, Guggenheim, and many other awards. His latest book is getting very good reviews, and he's going to read his poem for Janice. Track five, Summertime, as performed by Janis Joplin. God's got his eye on me, but I ain't a sparrow. I'm more like a lawnmower. No, a chainsaw. Anything that might mangle each manicured lawn in Port Arthur, a place I wouldn't return to if the mayor offered me every ounce of oil my daddy cans at the refinery. My voice, I mean, ain't sweet, nothing nice about it. It won't fly, even with Jesus watching. I don't believe in Jesus. The Baxter boys climbed a tree just to throw persimmons at me. The good and perfect gifts from above hit like lightning, leave bruises, so I lied. I believe, but I don't think God likes me. The girls in the locker room slapped dirty pads across my face. They called me bitch. But I never bit back. I ain't a dog. Chainsaw, I say. My voice hacks at you. I bet I tear my throat. I try so hard to sound jagged. I get high and say one thing so many times, like Willie Baker who worked across the street. I saw some kids whip him with a belt while he repeated, please, school out, summertime, and the living lashed. I, Mama said I should be thankful that the town's worse to coloreds than they are to me, that I'd grow out of my acne. God must love Willie Baker, all that leather, and still a please that sounds like music. See, I wouldn't know a sparrow from a mockingbird. The band plays, I just belt out Please, this tune ain't half the blues. I should be thankful. I get high and moan like a lawnmower so nobody notices. I'm such an ugly girl. I'm such an ugly girl. I try to sing like a man. Boys call boy. I turn my face to God. I pray. I wish I could pour oil on everything green in Port Arthur. 
Hi, this is producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley just stepping in for a quick second to introduce the next poet in our 2019 roundup, who is Marin Lovey Wright Kerr. She's been uh, an important member of the Baltimore Slam team, and she's one of the youngest poets we've ever featured on the podcast. At the age of 17, she was named the Youth Poet Laureate of Baltimore, uh, and she is the youngest person ever to hold that title. She often writes about social issues, which you're going to hear in this poem that we selected, Pig Latin, but I also highly recommend that you go back to her episode, number 85, and check out her incredible poem that builds off of her uh, thoughts on Harry Potter. So here is Pig Latin from Marin Lovey Wright Kerr. All right, so this one is called um, Pig Latin. E way ont day ever ye et gay irte of ye etting gay away ye ithway erdeme. Translation We don't ever get tired of getting away with murder. Enteyoche, ten shots. Ang bay, yang bay, yang bay, yang bay, yang bang, 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 bang. In 2012, a farmer was eaten by his pigs after falling into their enclosure. By the time anyone came looking for him, only his dentures were left. You might call this Ixpay but you're the ones in the pen we not cops we chefs we just make that bacon just bacon like we protect and serve the public just to serve the public on a silver platter it's only fair if you can throw a pigskin we're entitled to catch bodies our taste is specific we are protein serving as our protein serving we like red meat meeting concrete it's not even rare anymore because we still get a well done on the report. You might call us Ixpay, but we are not responsible. After all, all we do is raise the stakes. You're the ones raising the stakes. All we do is turn Mondominant and Coppin's block into a chopping block, into a butchery. See how much we can get away with. You will still turn your head away when we eat whole cities alive. Raw food diets are always good for our system. You might call us Ixpay. But while you all whine, we find dine. You can follow our orders or you can become our orders. You can try to make a door dash, but you can still be delivered on your front porch. So where would you like to be hunted down? In your hood or just wearing one? We like dark meats falling off the bone. Jive turkeys have never tasted so good a city. Has never been so delicious. Has never been so ripe for the picking. We omnivores like to peel the skin off strange fruit. You might call this Ixpay. But we be both chef and serial killer. Because the most important meal is always in the morning. <sighs> Do you smell it? Young blood bloodied young. Bowels released after death like a nigga's lease after an eviction notice. Do you see it? Black Baltimore children coming home from school. We call them fast food because they sure can run. Just never for office. Do you hear it? When we pack this heat to boil them alive, they scream. They screech just like Maryland crabs. This ain't no seasoning. This is just our cuffing season. Their old bays watch them become new corpses. You might call us Ixpay, but we don't pay for anything. We can eat as long as we want to. If you niggas want beef, that's a big mistake. Pig Latin is the new language of love, of food. And if you don't speak our language, you don't deserve to use your words at all. You might think us getting away with this is impossible. But us cops already have helicopters. Meaning, pigs have already begun to fly. 
I was still hungry. Thank you. From all the way out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Jimmy Santiago Baca visited us. I've known Jimmy for quite some time. He's a passionate poet with a deep concern for social issues. In his episode, he talked about and read from his latest book, which is a book-length poem, When I Walk Through That Door, I Am. It's hard for a brief passage to be meaningful in this context, so here's a clip of Jimmy talking about the book, how he had the need to write the book, and a bit about its contents. It's highly recommended. I mean, uh, the only thing I can do is write poetry. Right, yes. And I sat down, and I wrote, When I Walked Through That Door, I am. I bought a young woman leaving El Salvador, and they kill her husband because he refuses to pay uh, bribery to the gangs. They, they say, if you don't pay us, we'll kill you. And he didn't want to play that game, and they killed him. And the last, his last words were to his wife, please go north because America is a sanctuary for injustice in the world. Yeah. You can go there, and, and, and you can go there, and if you're unafraid to work and unafraid to to really engage in the culture and stuff, you could have a really good life. And she does. But, it, but you know, the way the journeys run these days, it's not <laughs> Don Quixote right. with the wind anymore. You know, she comes north and they rape her, and the official that she goes to for refuge are the very ones who rape her. And then she goes into a concentration camp, and guess who comes to visit? Trump. And the book itself, she's wondering why they have sharpshooters on top of the buildings and what they're preparing for. And then she sees this long, long line of dignitary black black cars, black limousines coming and Sam, it's the president. And he's come to showcase it on Fox News how great they're doing. You know? Mm. But then when he leaves, they resume normal business at night. All the young women are taken out to go, you know, um, party with the older officials, you know. Mm. And it's routine. It's been it's been put into documents hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that this is what's happening but you know it gets lost so mm. what's the poetry job is to retrieve what they try to hide yeah and uh, that's what i've done in this book joey grantham lives in a small town in rural north carolina but i heard him read in vermont his accomplished poetry and his wonderful sense of humor are the reasons i invited him to be featured on episode 89. Here he reads one of the poems he wrote on scraps of paper in a not terribly interesting job. It's from his book, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, I was working at McNally Jackson in uh, New York City, and that was kind of a dream job for me. Um, and then I got the job, and then it just became like any any other job to me. Um, and I was just, just dealing with a... a fresh young heartbreak at the time and mm. New York was kind of a hard place for me to live um, for many reasons because of lack of money and you know and the heartbreak um, but yeah so I would be at work and the bookmarks at McNally Jackson have lines on them and I would be bored at work and I would just to kill time I would write poems on those bookmarks because um, they just they kind of gave me a nice constraint um, yeah. for a poem and they gave me some boundaries that you know I could break if I wanted to later but right there on the bookmark that's what I that's what I had to do and yeah so it just those poems kind of spurred from boredom and being stuck in a retail job even if it was a good retail job still 
um, mm. still felt like being stuck. Um, you want me to read one of those or? Uh, yeah. So do they, uh, so these fit on a bookmark? Did that also make you, yeah. did you stop at the bottom of the bookmark the way Kerouac would use his little notebook sheets? Yeah, I would just, I would, I would stop at the very last line. Um, <laughs> so I'll read one of these. Sure. I'll read, uh, I'll read the one that, <clears throat> the one that uh, inspired the, the title of the book. Um, so this is work poem and there's a bunch of these in the book. Work poem. Sometimes all you can do is pretend you don't understand someone. And the thought of money scares me less than the thought of no money. While I was writing this, an Italian baby stared at me from his place in the arms of his father. And I thought, one day that boy will read The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Catherine Pecula is a distinguished Bennington College alum. She lives in Brooklyn, and her energy and insight are apparent in this poem that she wrote for a workshop when assigned to write about a body part. I'll let her tell you about it. Um, okay, I'll read this. My dick is bigger than yours and looks good in a peep-toe pump. It makes me come every time if I want to. I can stick it in my butt or lick it like a rainbow whirly pop. My dick likes to explore ancient cultures, dive down into manholes searching for lost obelisks. It never hits me, but sometimes I hit myself with obelisks to help me sleep. My dick is self-cleansing like a cat and can go for months without getting bored or sad. It reads German, enjoys what is meant by übergreifen, to overlap, encroach, overreach. My dick wants to be on the street, wants to press doorbells and open doors where it is met with fuck yeah. <laughs> okay, are you going to tell us the impetus for that one? <laughs> where did it come from? Just planetary. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, just imagining yeah um i the i will say something about the peep toe pump there was uh there was a tumblr account i think it was <clears throat> that a friend had sent me a long time ago as a joke i don't it probably doesn't exist anymore i think tumblr like really purged itself of anything that was pornographic um, but this Tumblr account was dedicated to pictures of dicks in shoes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which was just very bizarre. And I thought was just, you know, it's yeah. the internet age. Like, why not? I could sure. make a whole page dedicated to that. Um, I just thought it was funny. So I made a nod to that in the poem. Yeah. <laughs> I think... This was also another poem I wrote at NYU. Um, it was, I was given the assignment in a workshop to write about the body, to write a body poem. And I was like, oh my God, another body poem? Like, <laughs> how can I make this fun for myself? Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Casting around for something you hadn't done before. Yeah. See what'll, see what'll come out, you know? It's Which funny, my, my, my parents are very supportive of me 
and my work and uh they <laughs> i think my father has shared this poem with colleagues and <laughs> it's it's just it makes me feel really happy that he's okay doing that and thinks that it's funny and um you're right. Proud. proud, yeah. You're right. It's great that he's doing that, yeah. and you can appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's art. It's, yeah, and that's not always the case for many sure. people. I feel very lucky to to have parents that have been supportive of my art. Bill Porter, who publishes his translations under the name Red Pine, was featured in two episodes. In the first, he talked about translating the poet Stonehouse and the nature of translation. I was delighted when he agreed to chant some poetry in Chinese, just as the poets of a thousand years ago who he translates did. Give a listen to this rare recording from episode 105. The full moon, what we call the harvest moon, mm -hmm. that's what Chinese try to be together. I mean, New Year's is another holiday, but but the, the, the biggest one, when, when people really do make every effort to uh, to do something that night is the the full moon, and so he's on a moon, okay, on on, on a mountain, and yeah. on that night. Chi chi mao shi, xin chou ye, bai du hua kai lu wei ti, shan yue ru yin jian lao xin. A thatch hut is lonely on a new fall night, with white peas and flower and crickets calling. Mountain moon silver evokes an old joy. Suddenly I've strolled west of the peak. So he was that he spent that night following the moon. Yeah from where it rose in the east and following the full moon to the west side of the mountain he lived on. And, and you were right there and probably did that too. Uh, I, I, I've never spent a night okay. there. Okay. Um, so I, I've never done, <laughs> uh, never moonwalked on, on Stone Hill. <laughs> but you knew where he was looking for sure. I, I, yes, I did. The last time I was on, on Stonehouse's mountain was looking for his grave and I, I put my foot in a hole and broke my ankle. Oh. I sort of stayed away from Stonehouse's Mountain. Um, I, I don't know whether he was he was just trying to get even with, with <laughs> me for my bad translations or just playing a little joke. Uh. But anyway, um, they, I haven't been there for a while. And usually I don't go to mountains on, in China on, at night unless I'm going to stay in a monastery. That's, that's, that's different. But uh, here's okay. another one. Okay. Someone asked what year I arrived. I had to think before the answer came. The peach tree I planted outside my door has flowered in spring. 20 times. Maria Maziati Gillen is another longtime friend, renowned for her poetic exploration of what it means to grow up as an Italian American. I'm sure many listeners to Poetry Spoken Here 
have experienced her workshops around the country or participated in programs in Patterson, New Jersey, where she heads the Poetry Center at Passaic County Community College. The powerful poem she's about to read is typical of her explorations of personal issues and family relations. I'm going to read a a shorter poem called Arturo. It's about my father. Mm. I told everyone your name was Arthur. Tried to turn you into the imaginary father in the three-piece suit I wanted instead of my own. I changed my name to Marie, hoping no one would notice my face with its dark Italian eyes. Arturo, I send you this message from my younger self, that fool who needed to deny the words WAP, Guinea, Greaseball, slung like curb spears, the anguish of sandwiches made from spinach and oil, the roasted peppers on homemade bread, the rice pies of Easter. Today I watch you, clean as a cherub, your ruddy face shining, closed by your growing deafness in a world where my words cannot touch you. At 80, you still worship Roosevelt and JFK. Read the newspaper carefully. Know with a quick shrewdness the details of revolutions and dictators, dictators the cause and effect of all wars, no matter how small. Only your legs betray you as you limp from pillar to pillar. Yet your convictions remain as strong now as they were at 20. For the children, you carry chocolates wrapped in gold foil and find to them always your crooked grin and a $5 bill. I smile when I think of you. Listen, America, this is my father, Arturo. I am his daughter, Maria. Do not call me Marie. Poetry Spoken Here episodes often include a short feature. Sometimes it's a book review or it's some kind of information about a poetic institution or happening. So here it's appropriate that we end with an excerpt from episode 93, in which Andrew Shaw from out in Oregon describes his project that he calls The Silent Academy, which uses unique approaches for putting poetry in public places around the world. Yeah, the Silent Academy was a a project where I started realizing that I had a network of friends through various connections um, and meetings, as you know, where you kind of, you come together for a reading or an art event and then everybody retreats home. (laughs) Yeah. And and sometimes it's difficult for that community to exist. in a regular way, like other, you know, like a sports team or yeah. where we see each other more readily. And, um, but I also like the intimacy and the, um, and the, um, what's the word? How close a poem can be, um, even more so than this, even more so than talking over, you know, live, you know, if you mm-hmm. write something down, it endures. And so that's where the idea came from. And I had a friend who, lived in France and so he and I would synchronistically um, place very small poems at the same time, regardless of time zones, uh, or sometimes cut up poems and separate them. And then this happened with other projects and it kind of expanded from there, the more more people were added and so we'd leave things on buses or in trains or up mountains or um, things like that, just so when people found a fragment or a poem, they suddenly felt the power of that and the intimacy of whatever was going on in the park. 
oh, in an so unusual and unexpected, the magic of the unexpected kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, when you sent me your book, you included a, a little tag with a, with a little string on it. Is that the standard operating procedure? Or are there, are there multiple ways that you leave these poems to be found? Oh, um, that's that was specifically for couplets. I really like the idea of um, the old Graham poets. This isn't a tradition that I invented. I mean, we mm. know, you know, the, the Graham poets that were left, and I'd seen lots in brown paper. Um, but living in the Pacific Northwest, and this was a project I started in the winter, I thought I need something a bit more resilient <laughs> to, and water resistant. Um, so I chose, I mean, it's um, biodegradable paper. It's non-bleached. It's, it's not terrible for the environment. Um, I was aware of that because that's going to draw criticisms. Um, but I like the scale. I liked that um, I'd read about a certain number of writers that were whose content was dictated by the form, the not just the, the structure of the poem, but actually the notepad that they were writing in. Right. And I Kerouac. really enjoyed Kerouac. Um, Kerouac, yeah, with the small notebooks. Yeah, um, for one. Uh, yeah, and he was somebody that I really enjoyed uh growing up and i i like the idea of putting it in places um that was less rarefied than the places that you've mentioned in my resume there you know yeah. um, leave it in a pub leave it outside of a factory leave leave these little white tags in places where people don't usually go looking for poetry you're listening to poetry spoken here the 2019 review episode. It's been great sharing the poets and poetry with you this year, and we look forward to continuing to do so into the future. Remember, all episodes remain available wherever you get your podcasts. So if you want to learn more about something you just heard, you can always go back to the original and get filled in. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. I hope you will be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.